This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's time for some straight talk. Tax returns could look a little different this year. So when the big carriers start trying to get you to splurge on the latest nonsense, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199. Plus, get our unlimited plan with no contract on America's best networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense. Tune into Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless, available at Walmart and Walmart.com. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into this very, very happy edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois. He's your favorite as well as mine. It's Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, I say this is a happy edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, specifically because our savior adam oh, boquist no is on the nhl scoreboard my friend he got his first career goal on sunday night against the anaheim ducks there was much rejoicing including in the Naveau household jay how did you enjoy adam boquist's first career goal with the blackhawks it was great and i love the way he's fitting in already and after the game on sunday night jeremy Cowton kind of praised the way he's played defensively i thought in the la game especially he showed a little more physicality than I expected, taking the body, winning some puck battles. So far, so good for Boquist. I really like what I've seen, and that shot is evident. That's going to be a weapon for him for a long time. So if his defense can catch up with his offense, even if it is anywhere close, he's going to be a really, really good defenseman for a long time. He's he's a guy with some speed, which is something they desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like what I've seen from him so far. And, and again... Um, we sort of speculated about it when the news was sort of was made. Will he be worse defensively than some of the guys you've been unhappy with all year? And I think through two games, that answer is no. I think he's been perfectly adequate defensively. He's been able to play 25 minutes over both games, playing on the top pairing with Duncan Keith 
and uh, I think he's looked really, really solid. Uh, perfectly adequate. Definitely going to be on my tombstone, I think. Um, You'll get there. My <laughs> my observations about Adam Boquist uh, largely fall in line with yours. I think that the physicality, we were kind of intrigued to see if he was going to be able to kind of use a little bit of that in his game. I know he's obviously primarily known as an offensive first defenseman, but I thought he acquitted himself relatively well on defense in his first couple of games, obviously had the turnover late in the uh, game against the Kings that ultimately ended up leading to the overtime game winner. You can't pass the puck to the front of the net blindly like he did in that situation when it's only three on three. But that's, that's one of those mistakes. I think that yes, it occurred at a really key point in the game, but how often are you realistically playing at three on three at the NHL level? I think that's a pass most of the time when he makes that, he's got at least somebody back to kind of play defense and to prevent that from becoming an odd man rush the other way. So I think it was like one of those uh, mistakes that he's probably going to learn from. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not one that's just like mind bogglingly stupid or anything like that. So that was one of my observations is that, yeah, there are going to be some learning uh, curve issues and some uh, growing pains, but I thought that he looked pretty solid in both of the games. The thing that I really noticed on Sunday, aside, of course, from that really smart pinch that he had on that power play, that ungodly wrister that he uncorked and put in under the uh, crossbar, which was just a gorgeous wrist shot. Very uncommon for a defenseman to have a wrist shot like that, by the way. Really liked what I saw there. The thing I was most interested by was how quickly he completely supplanted Eric Gustafson on the power play. Yeah, Gustafson had a minute of power play time in that game Sunday against the Ducks, but Boquist was out there a very large amount of the time, and Jeremy Collinson clearly saw something in his game that he thought was going to help to facilitate that power play, and I mean, part of it obviously worked. The Blackhawks scored a pair of power play goals in the game. I thought their puck movement on the man advantage was largely really good. And I thought it was really interesting that whereas he's kind of been taking it a little bit slower with Kirby Doc in terms of getting him some special teams time, which he finally did start to get over the weekend. I I loved how he just kind of threw Adam Boquist right into the fire and was like, look, even though Eric Gustafson is in this lineup on Sunday, you're still getting the bulk of the power play time. And I think that that is a huge endorsement, not only of what Jeremy Colleton sees in Adam Boquist, but also what the organization sees in him as well. Well, I mean, look, you watch the guy on the ice, and it, it he jumps off the screen. You know, there's there's certain talents where you look at them, and you just see them right away, and you say, oh, my God, this person's at a different level than some of the other guys on the ice. And we saw there were several moments with Adam Boquist in this preseason, and especially during Prospects Camp, where he was just wowing you with the things he was doing against NHL competition. Now, look, the preseason against the Detroit Red Wings are not the greatest team in the world, but... The move he put on in game speed in that game in the preseason was unbelievable. There's a handful of players that could execute that at that speed in the league, let alone 19-year-olds that can do it. And it's a no-brainer to me to put him on the power play. With Doc, you've got some other options up front. You've got some guys who have been on the power play before. They haven't had a lot of success, but there's guys that have been there for a long time and have done it for a long time and have put up big numbers at this level. The Hawks don't have anyone that really contributes on the power play. And yeah, Eric Gustafson was that guy last season, but he sure as hell isn't that this year. Mm -hmm. And look, man, the longer this goes, and if Boquist plays well and it's ready for Connor Murphy to come back, whenever that may be, in two weeks or whatever, someone's going to be out of a job. 
Mm-hmm. And to me, every indication is it's going to be number 56, Eric Gustafson. Because, look, he's an yeah. unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. He's not playing well. He's not really giving you much right now. I think last year, I think we can all agree, was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. He had a really good year. I don't want to take that away from him. But at the same time, he's not a 60-point hockey player. He's just not. He had a really good year, a really lucky year, and uh, he'll never get back to that point again. 35, 40, maybe. We'll never see 60 from Eric Gustafson again, at least not in Chicago. Regression is a cruel, cruel mistress, (laughs) isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that... (laughs) That, to me, I think probably it obviously made sense to have Adam Boquist on the power play. I think ultimately my point was that you scratched Eric Gustafson on Saturday night for Adam Boquist's debut, and then you kind of turned some heads on Sunday when you had both of them in the lineup at the same time. Yeah, Everybody that surprised on me. Twitter was kind of girding their loins, preparing for the worst, and the possession numbers, from what I saw, I was at a uh, bar watching the game. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, say that uh they didn't look great it looked like anaheim was dominating a lot of the play throughout the course of that game at least at even strength but i still thought that it was interesting that colleton leans so heavily on boquist with gustus in the lineup and i think that's a really good sign for the future about what uh the team has envisioned for him the other thing that i did want to ask you and i kind of wanted to have a little bit of a conversation about this is that we're going to be going through this situation where we're going to be kind of shuffling guys in and out of the lineup defensively. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw a name at you and see if you agree with me that we might see him take a step out of the lineup in the next game. And that is Oli Mata. I think that the Blackhawks could be looking at maybe moving uh, Cuckoo or uh, Dennis Gilbert back into the lineup. I was not overly impressed with what I saw from Oli Mata over the weekend. And I think that if Jeremy Colleton is serious about holding guys accountable for their play on the ice, and he's only going to ice his best six defensemen, I think you got to give Oli Mata a day off. Don't you think? Um, I was not as disappointed with his game as you were. Um, I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it. Um, to me, it's just always Gustafson. <laughs> just take him out. Like I'm just, I maybe I'm I'm just super biased against him. But I, I just, you know, wait, you're you're super biased against him. I was the one saying he needed to be yanked from the ice a week and a half ago. Yeah, well, let's. So here, the game against the Ducks, Corsi four percentages. Uh, take your pick of Hawks defenseman, Calvin DeHaan forty percent, Olimata forty four percent, Brent Seabrook forty six percent, Gustafson was fifty seven. He was, uh, Duncan Keith was 64, and guess who was 70% even strength Corsi against the Ducks I believe that would, uh, process of elimination, I think that would leave Adam Boquist. Yes. Now, of course, we have to look at some other factors as well, like zone starts and, and things like that. But, look, there, there's no denying it. The, the slower defenseman on this team, um, take your pick and, and, and bench one of them. I think DeHaan's been really good. He had a bad game, but I think overall he's been probably their best overall defenseman. When it yeah, comes I'd, to, I'd have to agree with you on that. Yeah, like when it comes to pure defending, he's been the best. Um, and and I, I know he's put in situations that are not ideal because he's the guy they sort of count on to be the top defenseman. And look, Calvin Hahn is a nice defenseman. In an ideal world, he's your three or your four. He can't be the guy you're counting on to be your shutdown defenseman. He's not going to thrive in that kind of situation. Duncan Keith... We need to give credit to you, by the way. He's been really good over the last handful of games. They're leaning on him heavy. He played like 29 minutes against the Kings. Mm-hmm. And 
We keep saying, like, you can't keep doing that to Duncan Keith. Well, they keep doing it, <laughs> and he doesn't seem to miss a beat. I mean, I don't know. Sure, scratch Oimata, uh, scratch whoever you want. I, I just think a big problem about this team, and, and we're going to get into it, when we're trying to figure out what's going on with the system, there's something I have in mind that could be a very tough problem to solve. But before I tell you that, I want to invite our friends at Triple Threat Sports. You want to order an Adam Boquist jersey? Now's the time. Number 27, triplethreatsports.com. Send Chris an email, chris at triplethreatsports.com. But not only can they make you authentic Hawks jerseys, beautifully lettered and numbered, they can also make stuff for your corporate team, for your softball team, for your bowling league, whatever you need. Triple Threat Sports has it. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. Triplethreatsports.com. So just trying to figure out, James, looking at the Kings game, which despite the Hogs getting a point, they were got their asses whooped for, Ugh, for three periods. That game periods. was rough to watch. It was brutal for, by one of the worst teams in hockey, mind you. Um, the end of the Ducks game, the Ducks started to turn the tables a little bit after a good start from the Hawks. Trying to figure out why does this team never have the puck? Why are they never winning puck battles? One theme comes to mind. Speed. This Mm. is a very slow roster from top to bottom. Yes, you've got a couple exceptions with Boquist, with Keith, with DeBrinkett, and Patrick Kane when he feels like it. Other than that, you've got some plodding forwards and defensemen. And when you see guys constantly losing races to the corners and not being able to retrieve pucks... It might not be the system so much as it's the speed. They're getting beaten to every puck, mm-hmm. it seems. And it's kind of ironic considering the emphasis that they put on speed after the uh, 2017-18 season. Yeah, but then you go, you know, you, you sign Olimata, you trade for Dylan Strom. Those are two moves that make you significantly slower. Calvin DeHaan's not exactly fleet of foot. Exactly. Andrew, and, Andrew Shaw is not really all that fast. No, and Kirby Doc, once he gets going... He can, he can get moving with speed once he gets his big strides going, but he's not a quick stop-and-start guy, right? Mm. I think the team speed might be the biggest issue for this team, and that's why when I look at potential moves that could be made, you got to wonder, like, Dylan Secura just scored a hat trick. He's got speed. They're going to need to find ways to interject some speed into this lineup. The problem is a lot of these guys are tough to move. Like Zach Smith, I don't know if you're going to find a taker for Zach Smith, and maybe you don't have to. But Ryan Carpenter, he's been good. You want to take him out? Drake Kajula, he has some speed, but he's not doing much else. He's not doing much with it, except flying into boards and playing like uh, you know, with reckless abandon, but it's not really producing much of anything. I don't know. They, they've got to find a way to make this team quicker quickly. Well, that was tough to say, but <laughs> I did it, and I'm proud of myself. Yeah, that was that was, that was was impressive, dude. You, uh, you definitely t- turned your uh, tongue inside out on that one. But, uh, yes, I... I think that there was a lot of kind of uh, there was a lot of talk early in the season about the Blackhawks being a little bit more physical and kind of forcing guys off the puck. But then everybody forgot the cardinal rule, which is that in order to throw a hit, you have to get to a guy first and you have to be able to actually like lay that hit on him by getting to him. And the Blackhawks do not have a lot of guys that have the foot speed in order to do that. One other guy that I did want to point out that at least has a little bit of speed and was really showing it, especially on Sunday against Anaheim, Alex Nylander was all over the ice on Sunday. Seven every shots on goal. Every time I looked up, that guy was making something happen, not just with those shots, but in the neutral zone. He was terrorizing Anaheim. 
that's the kind of like high motor that the Blackhawks are going to need him to play with. And I think that Patrick Kane showed that as well. I thought it was really interesting that they played such an effective game in terms of getting the puck away from Anaheim in the first two periods of the game. Didn't see it as much later, but like like we said, the, the Ducks were clearly buzzing in the third period of that game. And frankly, it's all because of Robin Leonard that that thing even got to overtime, it yes. felt like. But to be fair to the Blackhawks, at least their speed effort on Sunday, Nylander and Kane were kind of all over the place. And those are the type of guys that they're going to need to showcase that speed more, especially with how uh, plotting most of your blue line is with the exception of Adam Boquist. I think that that forward group is going to have to do a better job collectively in the neutral zone to kind of short circuit some of those rushes and to prevent the game from basically devolving into a constant battle in the corners that the Blackhawks just don't seem to have the speed or the strength to win. You know, speaking of Nylander, I'm, I'm really curious if there's anyone who listens to this podcast that is still not sold on what they've seen from him. Maybe you don't believe that this is what the guy is going to be through 82 games, but it's been a month here, and he had one bad game. He was scratched because of it, and since then has responded and has been one of the most consistent Blackhawks all year. Jeremy Cowton said it after Sunday night's win that Nylander and Saad have been probably the two most um, consistent forwards they have, and those two together with Taves, I don't think it's a coincidence that Taves has had his best games with those two on his wings. Those guys are working their asses off. And that's something when they acquire Nylander, we, I think we sort of said, okay, if he can give an honest effort, he'll give some offense. No, he is busting his ass. Mm -hmm. He's playing hard every shift. You see him racing back, trying to steal pucks. And uh, the pass he made to Boquist was beautiful. What I love about Nylander is he's always got his head up. He's always looking for a play to be made. And, uh, yeah, sometimes he'll make those rookie mistakes or he'll make, uh, you know, he'll take a chance that maybe he shouldn't have. But more often than not, he's doing the right thing with the puck. And more importantly, in the neutral and defensive zones, he's been a plus kind of a player. And that is great. I never thought, at least this year, that we would get to the point and say that Alex Nylander has been one of the, what, two or three most consistent Hawks in all three zones. And that's absolutely been the case. He's been tremendous. Yeah, I would hundred percent agree with that. And something that you just brought up that Nylander pass to um, Adam Boquist for the goal reminded me of how freaking surreal it is that the Blackhawks have, what was it? Four top 10 picks on yeah. the ice at one time during their power plays on Sunday night. Yeah. Cause you had Taves, you had Nylander, you had Kirby Doc, and then you had Boquist. It was crazy to see that. That is so much talent on the power play, and ultimately, we'll throw Kane hockey, on there, and you've got five. That talent, yeah, that talent should win out. You know what I mean? Like when you have five top ten picks on the ice at the same time, you damn well better be scoring goals. I just, I kind of was looking around. I was just like, this is a lot of draft capital that is out on that ice right now, and. Like you said, just have been so impressed with the way that Nylander bounced back after that scratch. It really shows, I think, some maturity and some real passion for the game. And I really I appreciated that that's how he responded to the adversity early in the season. And I know for a fact that the guys in the front office and the guys on that coaching staff, they're noticing this, too. And they're filing all this stuff away. And you see it. In his ice time, it has just been ticking up and up and up. They haven't given him more special teams time. There, there is clearly a recognition of the effort that Alex Nylander is putting in out there. And I 
am going to go ahead and add my name to that list of people who have been won over by his work ethic and by his skill. Well, you know, it's if there's anything encouraging about the season, which I don't think anyone would argue is anything but disappointing so far, um, it's the fact that these young guys are not the ones that are making you pull your hair out every night. You mentioned Patrick Kane's hustle uh, yesterday, Sunday, against the Ducks. And, yes, it was there. But there's been so many games this year where he just does not look interested or engaged. And it's very frustrating. And, look, these guys, Doc and Boquist and Neylander, they can all play as great as they want. They can all be wonderful rookies and all battle for rookie of the year if they want to. This team is going nowhere unless, specifically, Taves and Kane are contributing, and to a lesser extent, to Brinkett and Strom. Those four guys need to be one, two, three, four in scoring. And if they're not, that's that's a problem. That's yeah. a, that's going to be a problem for the Hawks. And look, I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from the young guys, but the veterans need to catch up. And yeah, the last two games for Jonathan Taves have been a lot better. There's no denying that. They've been probably his two best games of the year, but it's got to be more consistent. If you look what at the, the hell happened to him in the third period last night. Well, look, you can argue that both of those slashing calls were a bit ticky tack. The first one I thought was legit, but if you're going to go MF the referee and you're going to throw a crap fit over the penalty getting called on you, like how dare you call penalty? I mean, I'm Jonathan Taves. Well, don't slash the guy. <laughs> right like that, that that's pretty simple if you don't slash the guy they're not going to call a penalty on you so he complains to the ref gets out of the box does it again and gets called again if you're not swearing at the referees maybe you get away with the second one i don't know it's you've seen him this year lose his cool a lot yeah like he, you've seen him on the ice like yelling at referees slamming his stick that's not something you see from Jonathan Taze very often and yes I'm sure that his slow start is playing a big role in it definitely there's no doubt about that but like we talked about last podcast it was last one or the one before that you mentioned the Detroit series in 13 where Brent Seabrook had to go into the penalty box and be like dude remove head from rectum we need you to win this series and that's what it took because Jonathan Taze was out of his mind right and Maybe that's part of the problem of being such a competitor, but like, dude, he's got five points in thir- in thirteen games. That that that's not a winning formula. You know, Kane has twelve points in thirteen games. DeBrincat has eight. Strom has seven. Nylander is seven and twelve. Kubalik is is ahead of Taves. That that can't happen. And again, maybe this is the turning point. For Jonathan Taze, maybe three weeks from now we'll look back and say that Southern California trip really was the point where Jonathan Taze figured it out. But I'm not going to believe it until I see it. He needs to be better. He can't be getting in the penalty box night after night after night. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah, that was definitely one of those instances where you saw a lot of really good stuff from Jonathan Taves in that game. And then you saw just that like relapse into just like abject stupidity. That was not a smart penalty that he took on the first one. And then, like you said, to really give an earful to the official and then to commit another penalty shortly after that, which ended up leading to Anaheim tying the game. That's not something that your captain can do. And that's not something that 
you know, yes, you had that instance in 2013, but I think for the most part, Jonathan Taves is able to kind of keep his cool. I would think that his slow start has ended up contributing to some of that frustration. I think the fact that the team only had nine points going into Sunday night, I think probably played part of that frustration, but it's still really early in the season. And yes, these point losing these points and having them slip away from you is a really tough thing to do. And I know you and I talk a lot about trying to be understanding of the fact that these guys are human beings and they get frustrated just like we do. But at the same time, you have to know when is a good time to kind of like let into an official a little bit. If you think there's actually something tactically to be gained by doing it, complaining after you commit a penalty, generally not the time to do it. It's kind of like the baseball umpire thing. If a catcher complains enough about the strike zone, the umpire is going to start shrinking that thing up. It's essentially the same thing in hockey, a slash in one instance is probably going to look even more like a slash if you've been yelling at the referee recently. And I know that that's kind of like, a, oh, that shouldn't be the case. But guess what? It is. We're all human beings. And I think that Jonathan Taves just needs to kind of take a step back in those situations and to kind of be more of the captain cool and the captain serious that we're so used to seeing. And I'm not saying that he's been doing this all the time, but it's just it's one of those things that he just needs to try to channel that frustration into positive action in a better way than he did on Sunday night. Well, there's only one guy in the team with more penalty minutes than Jonathan Taves. It's Andrew Shaw. He's got 14. Taves has 12. I am hugely shocked by this development. I know. And uh, for a guy who is so dependent on for his penalty killing, uh, Jonathan Taves needs to be on the ice. By the way, speaking of penalty killing, we need to give the Hawks some credit, man. They've been killing the hell out of it lately. They've been doing a really good job on the penalty kill. And I think, you know, sort of what we've been talking about is winning these puck battles and things. Part of the advantage of the game being played in only one third of the ice is that they're already there. They're not really chasing too much. Mm-hmm. And once they get the puck, they're making the simple play. And uh, the penalty kill has been really, really good, and I think it deserves some credit because um, that was a huge problem last year. And you can't have horrible power play and horrible penalty, penalty kill. You cannot right. win that way. Yeah, they, they look like they had competent special teams for the most part against Anaheim on Sunday night. And that's this is just another area where – we really do have to give a lot of credit to Brandon Saad. I feel like even though Sunday night was kind of a mad game, game from him at a uh, neutral or at a five on five situation, I thought he still looked really good on the penalty kill and has really the entire season. I have been really impressed with his tenacity, with his intelligence, and with his discipline in that area of the ice. And when you add in guys like Ryan Carpenter who are starting to really come up and play better hockey in that department. Drake Kajula had a couple of good plays on the sh- in shorthanded situations on Sunday night. David Camp looked pretty good at shorthanded situations. When you have multiple guys who are contributing like that, it is such a real it's a delight to see. And Brandon Saad has been delightful to watch on the penalty kill for most of the season. Even when other guys have been skating around like chickens with their heads cut off and they looked real bad in the early going. I really thought that every time Brandon Saad was on the ice in a penalty killing situation, it was a little bit calming. I have to be honest. He's looked mo- mostly good uh, this season so far. want to tell you about our newest sponsor, the Barrel Club in Oakland, located at 4910 West 111th Street, com. We told you about their really great NHL flight featuring whiskeys from Guy Lafleur, Eddie Belfour, and Wayne Gretzky. Well, this Thursday, November 7th from 6 to 8 p.m., 
Woodford will be at the Barrel Club etching your name on a bottle of Woodford Reserve Bourbon for $40 plus tax. So go out to the Barrel Club, again, 4910 West 111th Street this Thursday from 6 to 8, and get yourself an engraved etched bottle of Woodford Reserve Bourbon. Uh, Very, very tempting. I might have to make my way to the Barrel Club on Thursday for some killer bourbon and even better food. BarrelClubIllinois.com. Check out their menu You'll be blown away just looking at it online, and uh, when you get there and you taste it, you're going to be just as happy. So, oh, by the way, BarrelClubIllinois.com, you can join their Spirit of the Month Club, all the details on that website. All right, James, let's take a time out, and there's one thing I think you and I have sort of neglected to do in the big picture of this season, and I think there's one player in particular that deserves some focus and some praise, and we're going to give it to him when we come back on the Madhouse Chicago Phrasing Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price, just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawaski with you here, and my supposed friend James Naveau is out in Bourbon A. Surprised you didn't blow me off tonight to go to Marishka's like you did uh, oh. this weekend, you jerk. Oh. Yeah, I had a feeling this was coming. You went there. You've got the recent experience. I just I see where I stand. That's all. I see where I am on your priority list. Why don't you tell everybody about your great time in Marishka, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Let's hear about your meal. Okay. I went up with one of my buddies who, by the way, is an avid podcast listener, has been out to the Barrel Club a million times, but had never gone to Marishka's with me. And so... We made our way up there on Friday night. I looked at the menu and I ordered a delicious craft beer off their menu. A massive menu of beer, by the way. Got a uh, Robert the Bruce from Three Floyds. And I followed that up, of course, with my standby, which is the Yodel Burger. A six-ounce behemoth of meaty goodness. Put on French bread. Slathered with the awesome garlic butterine sauce. And topped off with Swiss cheese. It was heaven in every single bite. You really should go to Marishka's. There's literally no wrong direction you can take on their menu. Check out what the Zadralovich family is cooking up for you out at Marishka's. They are closed only Christmas, Easter, 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Did I? Yes, I got that right. Um, Robin Leonard, we have mentioned how great he's been in passing several times. It is time for us to lay out the Robin Leonard praise segment the dude has been ungodly awesome, without a doubt, the Blackhawks MVP on a bad team. He's 3-2-2 two two with a 2.22 goals against average. That's, that's the, a lot of twos, my friend. That's for the Blackhawks. And a .939 save percentage. That is stellar. Look, it's not just that Leonard's played well and kept the Hawks in games. He's playing Vezina level goalie. He's mm-hmm. playing. Uh, he he's literally one of the best goalies in the league right now. And when you look at the guys ahead of him, it's it's Rask, it's Kemper, and it's Robin Leonard third in save percentage. He's been absolutely phenomenal. 
And the thing I love the most about Leonard, and I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating, his poise in the net is really unbelievable. Even when he's forced to make a, like a multiple opportunity save, right? Like shot, shot, rebound, shot again. He never loses his composure. He never loses his focus. He never loses his net. Part of it is the fact that he's enormous. That's very helpful. He's a big goalie. But, man, his level of control and calm, I think it has an effect on the whole team. And I don't think there's much doubt. Look, Corey Crawford, after a bad start in L.A., gets pulled from for the concussion protocol, comes back in, and is great. There's no doubt about it. But Leonard's got to be the guy here, man. Three out of four, at least, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe three out of five for him if you want to keep Corey Crawford at least fresh. But, man, Leonard has been, without a doubt, the best player on the Blackhawks this year. And uh, if he's not an all-star, it will be ridiculous. And if he's not in a Vezina conversation, it will be ridiculous. And if the Hawks are not already considering a contract extension for Robin Leonard, they're insane. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you literally, you did not hit a single bad note in that entire love sonnet to Robin Leonard. He has been everything the Blackhawks could have possibly wanted is and more. You mentioned his poise under constant barrage of shots because the defense has had difficulty in clearing the puck out from the front of the net. His rebound control has been spot on. His ability to see pucks through traffic is almost preternatural at times. That guy just always seems to know where the puck is coming in from. And then above all else, that guy's a hell of a post-game quote. Yes. Like that, that guy just is he's the total package man like he really is like i have been absolutely blown away by how excellent robin leonard has been in virtually every single area of the game and when you see a performance like Corey crawford put together after he came back from concussion protocol on saturday night it just illustrates how good leonard has been that i gave zero thoughts being like well maybe we should give crawford a more occasional time and then no No, you shouldn't. If you're wanting to win games and you are adamant about making the playoffs this season, at this point right now, Robin Leonard is your guy, and it's not close. And to me, unless it's a back-to-back, Leonard's in that for me going forward until he proves that he shouldn't be. Like I know that Crawford still has what it takes to be the guy if he absolutely needs to be, but damn, you cannot take that net away from Robin Leonard right now. I agree with everything you said in praising him. I'll throw on the additional praise about his post-game quotes and how charming and how awesome he's been in those sessions with reporters. And I'm just going to say it. Yeah, if you don't, if you were going to do an award watch thing right now and he was not one of your three finalists for the Vesna, you are an absolute idiot. Yeah, he's been just great. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the off-ice stuff, because from day one, he's taking a leadership role in a verbal, vocal role. When he's asked, he says he says how it is. And that's a dude who I would suspect has a lot of respect in that locker room. After everything he's been through with his mental illness, with his substance abuse problems, overcoming that, bouncing back, having the season he had last year, and starting off the season the way he did this year, look, Robin Leonard's been through a hell of a lot worse than a bad penalty kill or standing behind Eric Gustafson and Slater Cuckoo, right? He's been through worse things than that. And maybe that's part of what has gotten him 
to this next level in his goaltending. But, dude, I'm telling you, if they signed him to a two-year extension today, I would not bat an eye. Mm-hmm. And that's – you are basically telling Corey Crawford, sorry, he's won the job unless you want to come back and back up for, a, you know, one and a half or two million bucks, which we can get to down the road, obviously. But Robin Leonard, man, has proven to me that if they wait too long and he has another Vezin a year and hits free agency – they might not be able to bring him back. Then what? I mean, we we brought up the fact that the free agent market going into this offseason is basically going to be him and Braden Holtby, and that's like it. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you're talking about guys like Jimmy Howard and Yaroslav Halak, and Jesus. it's just it's a bad scene out there. And if you're a team in desperate need of a goaltender and you've got some money to spend in free agency, why the heck would you not back up a Brinks truck to Robin Leonard and offer him four, five, six years at a really strong average annual value. Like, I can't see a reason not to. That guy has been everything the Blackhawks have paid him to be in more, and he is definitely due for a significant pay bump and a bump in term for his next contract, considering how young he still is. Yeah, he just turned 28 in July. Um, uh, Braden Holpe just turned 30. Jimmy yep. Howard is officially... 796 years old which again i think the last podcast or one of the last podcasts i brought up that i could not believe he was 36 years old like that just that blew my mind when i saw that yeah i mean dude leonard has been just fantastic and i you know he is quickly catapulted to one of my favorite blackhawks just because i i just love the way he plays in the net he's poised but he's still he's a hothead he's got a lot of eddie belfour in him you know, just like a, a tremendous competitor, a guy who doesn't take any crap from anybody and speaks his mind. I love that, man. I love that about Robin Leonard. They've got a lot of guys who you can tell want to say something, but don't. You know, I think Brent Seabrook's one of those guys. I think Duncan Keith from time to time can be a guy that kind of holds his tongue. I liked that Leonard will say, we were bad. That game sucked. We need to be better. Mm-hmm. And we, but, then he, but then he, it's like the slap and tickle. We were we sucked, but we will be better. I you know the word you, you be keep better. using that is really standing out to me, and that I think that ultimately at the end of the day he would be known for is we. Even if he makes like forty six saves in a game and the Blackhawks give up four goals, I don't see him throwing anybody under the bus. I think that he's going to be taking his lumps with everybody else, and I respect the hell out of him for that. Absolutely, and maybe he does behind closed doors. Maybe he'll say to a teammate you know, not in front of everybody, or maybe just does it in the locker room when it's more of an open atmosphere and say, look, you need to be better. I think he has the credibility. I think he's earned that credibility within the team already. And uh, even if if he didn't have it coming in the day he signed that contract, he's definitely earned it by the way he's played so far this season. So absolute props to Robin Leonard on a fantastic start to the year. And uh, man, there's some games where I feel really bad for him because he's just getting peppered with shots, but it feels like the more shots he receives, the better he plays. And that, that to me just shows you how focused he is, how uh, zeroed in on the task he is and how much of a competitor he is. And I love that. I love the guy. He's been terrific. 
you know, you brought up Ed Belfour and I was like, oh, bummer. You missed your opportunity to do a perfect segue into a read for the Barrel Club. But I already did I that. still think we can do a good segue in terms of raising a glass to toast the performance of Robin Leonard. And what alcoholic beverage would we use to do that? Jay? I would use my uh, Dwarves of Boom from Rabbit Brewing. Uh, you could use your Manticore from Rabbit Brewing. Anything from Rabbit Brewing will do the job. 17759 Brett's Drive in Homewood. That's B R E T Z Drive in Homewood. That's a block east of Halstead uh, in Homewood. Like I said, go visit them, rabbitbrewing.com. Check out their Facebook page. It's actually got a lot more information. Facebook.com slash rabbitbrewing. A ton going on at Rabbit this week on November 6th. That is Wednesday. Uh, Drinking with Dragons. That's a pickup D&D gaming night. If you're into that, November 7th is open mic. A Rabbit Brewing and November 8th is the Brian Carmona Band. There's always stuff going on at Rabbit Brewing, so check them out, facebook.com slash rabbitbrewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. You will be a happy person when you do. All right, are you ready for the email of the show? Well, yes, I'm ready for anything. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. We tell you about them every show. The Mexican, the barbecue, the Cajun. It's all amazing. By the way, today I went to uh, Frontera, which is owned by Rick Bayless, and I had Rick Bayless's Cochinita Pabil. It does not hold a candle to Chuck's. Which is absolutely insane to think about because Rick Bayless does kind of rule. Yeah, and well, Chuck was his sous chef for a long time, and he trained under Rick Bayless, but he's taken the coach Anita Pabil, he's made it his own, and he's made it better. That's the Saturday special. It's my favorite thing in the world, and I'm going to go get, I'm there either this Saturday or next. I'm going to Chuck's for the coach Anita, but everything there is great. Whatever you try in the menu, you're going to love. I've been mentioning it lately. I want to make sure I get it through. Try the cobblers. Save room for dessert. You will not regret it. Chuckscafe.com. Email of the show comes from Spike, our guy Spike T. Oh, I love Spike. Haven't heard from him in forever. He says, I feel your frustration with the dynamic duo's offensive struggles. Do you think if this continues that the team will consider shopping them going all in with the rebuild? I have a feeling that both Taves and Kane would like to play for their hometown teams, especially for Kane. As Buffalo seems to be on the rise, him and Skinner would be deadly. Just a thought. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Maybe it's time for a true rebuild. Spike, um, I'm not opposed to a true rebuild. I just don't think. I think there are other forces at hand with the Blackhawks that go into some of the decision making, and I think that would be a really hard sell mm. to the people at the top and to the casual fans. First, you fire Q. Then you trade Taves and Kane. You want to guarantee an empty United Center? That's a way to do it. And uh, look, I think both those guys still have a ton of good hockey left in them. I know Taves is off to a really bad start, and Kane's not off to the fastest start in the world either. But when it's all said and done, I, I still feel like those guys are probably going to be your two best players by the end of this year. So I'm open for it because I'm thinking purely hockey, and I think you could still get some really, really good potentially franchise changing prospects slash picks for those guys. But I just, I don't know how realistic it is. 
Oh, that's tough. Uh, yeah, I think that there is a matter of them wanting to play for their hometown team and then a matter of it being a practical matter to trade them. And I just I said matter twice and I don't even I, I, I stand by it. Um, I, I I just don't see it being practical to trade Jonathan Taves right now simply because of the fact that his value is not probably going to be what you think that it is. I think that it would be really difficult to unload his salary without taking at least a couple of bad contracts back on, especially if you wanted to get a really solid prospect or two and some good draft picks. I don't think it would be one of those instances where moving him would necessarily get you the haul that you would think that it would. I think with Patrick Kane, I think that you could get that kind of package back to even with his age and even with how many miles are on the odometer and all of that stuff. I think you could get a really handsome haul back for Patrick Kane. The thing I, the two things I wonder with him are the John McDonough effects, the kind of shadowy figure pulling the strings and not allowing one of your franchise uh, cornerstones to get traded away. I think that's definitely part of it. But then I also wonder I think that a trade in the offseason would be more likely to get a bigger return for Patrick Kane than like some type of a deadline deal. Don't you like I just I think that moving a player of his caliber and of his pedigree, I think is really difficult to do in season, especially if you want to get a fair return on him. I think that that would probably be something that would be better explored in the off season. But again, I think that other factor probably precludes a deal like that from being made. But you know what? These are some of the decisions and some of the questions that, the Blackhawks brass is just going to have to face. That's where they're at as a team right now. It does not to me at best. It kind of seems like you're kind of treading water a little bit. Like, yeah, you've got Kirby doc and Adam Boquist, but those guys I don't think are enough to vault you into that category as legit Stanley cup contenders. And so I would definitely consider a full scale rebuild. It's just going to be really tricky to get that underway. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, business dictates a lot of things here. And if they're going to trade one of those guys, they've got to get a young guy who is already known, right? Like someone that they can sell. And I don't really know who that is. You know, like who are some of the already proven, like young, like really, really like, unless it's an Austin Matthews or Jack Eichel, my friend. Right. But, but see that, but for Buffalo to do that is counterproductive. Yes, right, it, yeah, yeah, that was a joke. Yeah, but if the, but the, but I think a lot of people are shouting that in their cars or in on the train or whatever. But if they're going to trade for Patrick Kane, they want to keep Eichel so they can win. That's the whole point. So I don't know. It's 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 tough. I don't see it happening. Um, I think if I had to pick one of them, like who's more likely to be traded? I don't even know that. I guess Kane, but I'm kind of flipping a coin just because you can get more for him. And I do think there's more of a desire for him to play in Buffalo. I think the Taves wanting to play in Winnipeg thing is a little overblown. Um, But I do think there is some part of Patrick Kane that would love to go play in Buffalo and bring a championship to Buffalo. Brent Um, Seabrook was from Vancouver, right? Yes. Trade him up there. Sure. I'm sure they want him. I'm totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of teams want him. Dale yeah. Talent, here, here's yeah, what you need to know. Vancouver, there is a big bidding war that might happen if you guys try to get Brent Seabrook. Just so you know, mm-hmm. get your ducks in a row if you really want. Oh, I gave it away. I said ducks. Whoops, I didn't mean to. I hate to tell you, but if Joel Quenville and Dale Talon don't want Brent Seabrook, 
I don't think anybody does. Shut up, Jay. You're not supposed to tell them that. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We had a great time uh, talking Hawks with you. It's nice coming off a win. And as bad as those games kind of felt, the Hawks took three out of four points. Tuesday night against the Sharks, a winnable game. The Sharks are the worst team in the Western Conference. They've lost five in a row. But last time they lost four in a row and beat the Hawks. So hopefully the Hawks can go into San Jose and pick up two points because the schedule ahead of November is daunting. So they need to get these two points here. Want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. The Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910. West 111th Street, Barrel Club, Illinois.com, and Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, Burbank, Darien, Chuck'sCafe.com. Thanks to them, and thank you all for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you later this week. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.